Hey everybody, welcome to Store Brand Comics. I'm Tio, and the other guy is Brandon. Don't worry, you'll hear his voice pretty soon. I know he's who you're all here for. Anyway, um, so today is actually like the second half of this week's episode. The first half went up yesterday. Um, and we're, we're just kind of, you know, killing time, doing a little like extra extra thing for our DC Cinematic Universe idea we've been doing, which for those who don't know, is just us doing our own version of, like, a DC Cinematic Universe. Like, we come up with our own pitches for movies and such. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. Listen, listen to the regular episodes of those. It's, I like it. Anyway, um, so, yeah, here's the, uh, here's us coming up with a cast of characters for our concept for a Doom Patrol movie so that we don't have to do it in the actual episode. So, there's there's two that pretty much have to be in it because they're the most like, even if you haven't read Doom Patrol, they're the two that stand out the most or have been in pretty much every Doom Patrol thing. Yeah. And that's Robot Man and yeah. Chief. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I have a... Um a DC universe like guidebook from like 2006. So it's super, super outdated. But um, one thing I remember, I learned about the doom patrol for the first time through that book. um, And I've always been kind of interested in them, but just never like gotten into them. Yeah. yeah. uh, One thing I remember from like reading from that book is that uh, out of every character in doom patrol, the single most constant member in the lineup is Robot Man. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah like every the... every iteration of Doom Patrol, at least at one point in its history, has had a Robot Man. Yeah, he's he's the most recognizable. He's on pretty much like you said, any iteration of the Doom Patrol, he's usually the one that stays in it. There. So okay, so this is occupying our Guardians of the Galaxy slot. Yeah. So if you were to give Robot Man a role, and of course this doesn't have to be one to one, but if you were yeah. to like assign like a a slot for him, which member of the Guardians would you say he is? Uh, that's tough. He's either Groot or Drax. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the idea of him being Groot because he seems like the kind of character that could very easily be like the heart of the team. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like, uh, not saying this is always like heart, but whenever like you need a little bit of levity or or a little bit of like some joking or whatever, it tends to come from Robot Man. Yeah. And he he brings it out of everyone. He, He kind of brings the the joy into everyone because everyone has like these awful things that have happened to him even him like his situation is horrible but he's still able to to joke and have some camaraderie yeah i've, I've always gotten like like fantastic fours the thing vibes from him yeah yeah i think that's a good way to put it so yeah the group the group slot for him seems the most appropriate yeah Speaking technically, obviously, you know, he's a very different yeah, yeah. group, but like none of these have ever been one to one. We're just occupying roles. Yeah. And, and like, figure it out from there. In terms of the leader, um, 
like there there are some iterations of doom patrol where chief isn't the leader but like in most doom patrol stuff chief is the leader yeah so not saying he has the personality of peter quill but like peter quill's the leader of the guardian so chief is like the leader of doom patrol yeah yeah i think aren't there some versions where like the chief is the bad guy uh yeah and it's not even really versions it's like as it as the story goes along you find out stuff about the chief oh okay all right interesting that's like in comic as well as tv show okay all right um okay so chief chief is like star lord robot man's our groot let's see so there's there's a decent bit more um i'll i'll list some characters and and you can kind of decide there's uh she's not she's mostly prevalent in grant morrison's run uh it's the chief's daughter who is like you may have seen art before she looks like this half monkey looking girl like uh basically chief slept with this uh or fell in love and slept with this uh this immortal like lady who looks kind of ne- neanderthalish but she's actually like intelligent um yeah i i this character is sounding familiar the chief's daughter like being like a half monkey person yeah and, and google doom patrol real quick so i can yeah get a better impression yeah, the chief's daughter, I think her name's Dorothy. Yeah, Dorothy, she she's like a, a little girl. She's like, uh, it depends on which iteration of the show. She's like 12, basically, like 11 or 12. Um, and her abilities are basically like uh, similar to Jane's, but not exactly where she has like three or four like creatures or like demon type things that like talk with her. And they can be like summoned, kind of. Um, and one of them is uh, his name's the Candle Maker. Like he's a even in the comic, he's a villain at a point. Like he's a big like plot point where like uh, Chief is basically like because because the thing with uh, Candle Maker is like he will grant her a wish, like any he he can grant her like literally any wish just about. The thing that happens though is once that wish is granted, like pretty much anyone within like a vicinity of her is just killed, like dead. Mm. Um, and so the chief's always like, "Don't ever make a wish. Don't ever wish for anything. That sort of thing." Yeah, don't ever want anything. Yeah, you can want stuff, but don't ever say "I <laughs> wish." Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. Um finds the character. And like her her powers get like more and more powerful as she grows up. Cause she's she's immortal as well. It's like I don't know, it's almost like a Logan situation where she ages slowly. Yeah. Um to where, yeah, like Chief like conceived her when he was like 30 years old and then by the time he's like 70 or older she's only like 11 um 
but uh so so there's Dorothy, there's also uh Rita Farr or Elastigirl. Yeah. Um she's she's a, a pretty good character. She, she's in Grant Morrison's run. I know she's in the Silver Age stuff and she's in the show. Um yeah. but but she's a good character. She's a a actress from like the 30s and 40s. Uh, she only cared about herself and her acting image and all that stuff. And then an accident happened on set one day. She fell into this river and like this like spirit type thing like went into her and gave her like the elastic powers. But for like decades, she wasn't able to control it to where like anytime she was a little bit stressed out, like she'd start turning into this like goop monster basically. Yeah. Like, like making her face look like it's like melting off and stuff. Like what an actress would not want to happen. Your, yeah. your whole identity is your beauty. And now it's, it's crumbling down basically. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I like, I like Elastigirl being in there. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, uh, for the purposes of keeping things simple, maybe focusing on characters from like the original or second roster of the team, like early rosters of the team. Yeah, yeah. Which I think Dorothy is actually in the second roster looking at the list on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Cause you had like the Silver Age stuff and then that jumps after that jumps right into Grant Morrison. So, yeah. cause um, the original roster, according to Wikipedia, is the chief. Elastigirl, Negative Man, Robot Man, Mento, and Beast Boy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, which a lot of people um, probably think of Beast Boy more as a Teen Titan now than a Doom Patrol member. But... Yeah, because I mean, he, he first appeared in Doom Patrol. Yeah, um, Doom Patrol number 99, according to this. Dang, really? Yeah. 99 issues? It took 99 issues for Beast Boy to even show up. Dang. Unless, no, wait. No, okay, I think the My Greatest Adventure series was just renamed to Doom Patrol. Oh, okay, I gotcha. So it would have been like um, 19 issues after Doom Patrol's first appearance. Because Doom Patrol oh. first appeared in My Greatest Adventure number 80. Okay, I gotcha. So it's like what you know Marvel did with all their anthologies. They just eventually... yeah turned them into single character books and renamed them, but kept the numbering. Yeah. But, uh, let's see. Yeah. Negative man is on <clears throat> pretty much every, every, uh, iteration of the team, just yeah. about, um, it's basically this pilot from the fifties, which you can change it to anything. It could be a pilot from today or, or whatever, yeah. whatever, uh, we want to do But pilot who, is trying to do like this test flight to like start to go into space at this time. It was like before space travel and all that, yeah. but this experimental test pilot goes in and, and like goes through this like little negative space radioactive belt kind of. Yeah. Um, and that's how the, the negative spirit gets into him. <clears throat> it like, severely radiates his body um mm -hmm. to where he has to wear those bandages they're like special bandages in the show chief makes special bandages that like contain the radioactivity um 
in different iterations of the comic, it's given to him by the negative spirits, um, whatever. But he, he uses those bandages to contain that radioactivity because if he takes them off, like everyone in the room's dead, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say as far as iconic members of the Doom Patrol go, like Negative Man is definitely up there as one of them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you got Negative Man. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, uh, this came along in Grant Morrison's run. You have Crazy Jane, who's a girl who had a traumatic childhood. <clears throat> she got, she had DID or has DID. Um, she has 64 personalities living within her. That's um, and the comic in the show is different in the show. She's in a Institute and gets injected with like this serum stuff. And basically each one of her personalities gains a different power. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's crazy Jane. Uh, and a lot of times she's not entirely able to control it. Like as, as it progresses with any type of story like that, she's able to control it a little bit better, but it's more like any of them can pop in at any time. And it, it like changes her appearance. It, it obviously changes power set and all that. Yeah. But uh, Jane is like the primary, like she's like the one that you see the most. Okay. I think... Hmm. So Jane, I think, would be interesting as, like, um, just because of, like, the potential, like, volatility of the character. Uh, yeah. It would be interesting to put in, like, a rocket role. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. And if you put, uh, if you say that um, Robot Man is kind of like that Groot role, that fits pretty well because robot man in the comics as well as the show is kind of like that big supporting character for Jane whenever okay. she's going through stuff. All right. That works pretty well then. Um, I think we'll save Danny the street for the sequel. Yeah. Danny the street usually fits best as like, he's never like really a, team member but they usually like encounter Danny or or like yeah. do things with Danny and he's um, I've, I've done some research on Danny before because he's been in a Teen Titans comic that I've read um, but uh, apparently he's been a few different things he's been a brick before apparently yeah he's been a street he's been a brick the brick form was like his most like uh 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 transportable i forgot how he described it yeah or how they described it his Uh, notable aliases are danny the world danny the brick danny the island danny the alley and danny the ambulance yeah yeah danny the ambulance is like the most recent thing that's that's what happened in the uh the gerard way run and then like they've they've done that in the show as well okay but yeah, we'll we'll save Danny for later because he's one of those concepts where it's like Doom Patrol's full of weird concepts. Yeah, but, that's, um, that's like the point of it. Pretty yeah, much. but he's he's one of those ones where it's like he's just weird enough to hold off for a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's so difficult to wrap your head around. Yeah. 
as as a character. Yeah. Like he's he's exactly the type of thing that really only Grant Morrison could properly conceive of. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like it it's obviously like once you at least have seen an interview or read an interview about Grant Morrison, you're like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this this is that that Grant Morrison can make this type of stuff. It's good, but yeah, Grant Morrison is out there with his thinking. Yeah. But uh, let me see. Uh, you have Flex Mentallo, but Flex Mentallo, again, for like a – he's not always – he's not really a team member. It's, again, kind of like Danny where you have an adventure or two with him. Yeah. Because uh, he's – when you look at our team that we have now, he's like – too overpowered yeah because like he he his whole thing for people that don't know flex mentalo he's the man of uh muscle mystery or mystery muscle or whatever where he can just about do anything by flexing a different muscle like he can make stuff appear he can make stuff happen just by flexing a muscle kind of yeah So, yeah, uh, maybe we'll have an adventure with him, but he's not going to be on the team. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of those characters, too. He, he would show up as, like, a support character in a later thing. Yeah. Um, let me see. Look at, looking, at a, looking at the third roster, which is reaching into the early 2000s, a lot more mainstream DC characters kind of start to form up the Doom Patrol. Like, uh... Robot Man's still there. And yeah. then you get characters that people wouldn't be familiar with, like Fever, Freak, and Kid Slick. But then yeah. I'm seeing names like Dr. Light, Elongated Man, Metamorpho. Dr. Light was on Doom Patrol? Apparently. Wow. Uh, and then the fourth roster uh, kind of gets back to basics with the old lineup, you know, Elastigirl and the chief and all that. Yeah. Then there's characters like Grunt, Nudge, Vortex. Bumblebee yeah. was in Doom Patrol? Obviously not the Transformer. Yeah, yeah. Like the little the little bee chick. Basically DC's wasp. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um oh, let me think. Uh fifth roster. I, I don't wanna cancel him out yet i i do want to leave beast boy on the table mm. um, just because like the show didn't do it but and i'm I'm not trying to give this credit because it was honestly like the worst episode or it started to show the the badness of titans is doom patrol was first introduced like tv wise in titans yeah like Beast Boy was living with the Doom Patrol and stuff, and then eventually he leaves and and goes with the Titans on their ventures and stuff. Um, but I don't know, like don't don't go the the Titans route to where like the only difference, like like the only thing that outside makes him weird is like he has the green hair. No, you do the Green Boy. Yeah. You do the Green Boy because a big thing with Doom Patrol is a lot of these people like 
can't like live in society really yeah and if you want to take it a step further do what young justice did and basically make him a monkey boy yeah i mean yeah you can do that like like because that's the thing with all these characters even with someone like crazy jane like outward appearance she looks like a regular girl but like she is damaged mentally to where like she just can't really deal with stuff in the real world or, or stuff going around to where like she'll snap or like another personality will come out and like kick someone's butt or kill someone or whatever. Yeah. Like each one of those people like just can't walk on the street really. Yeah. In a big they, thing, they like walk on the Danny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a big thing is like um, each one of them is like dealing with like, their trauma or or their event of getting these powers or whatever because like for the most part at least at the beginning of the show as well as like the beginning of the doom patrol comics at least like grant morrison's like this is more of a curse than it is a blessing yeah and like them back in some very severe way yeah because Beast Boy has potential of that. And what I do like with what they did in Titans is, like, he can't entirely control it. As well as, like, it's not like in the comics or Teen Titans to where, like, he can turn into any animal at any time, however he wants. In Titans, it's more of like a, a <clears throat> not saying it's like, you won't like me when I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> not entirely that sense, but, like, he can't all the time control it. And when he can, he can only turn into a tiger. Mm. Eventually he'll be able to turn into other stuff. Cause I've yeah. seen in one episode, he accidentally like becomes a snake or whatever. Yeah. Like, so, okay. So what you're saying is if we do beast boy as a member of our doom patrol, um, we should do it in a way where it's like, he's still figuring it out for the most part. Yeah, he, he's still figuring out. It could be like, uh, obviously, Green Boy. Green Boy, um, he, like, either one of two things. He can't really control it, and, like, it's almost like an Omnitrix type thing whenever the Omnitrix messed up and, like, yeah. wasn't able to control who he wanted to turn into. It could be like that, or it could be where he only has master over, like, one creature. Yeah. Like one or two creatures, like either one of those would be fine. Yeah, and I and I feel like one thing that would make the most sense is if like the one or two creatures that he has mastery over are relatively his size. So maybe like a chimp and a dog. Yeah, yeah, that'd work. I like that. Um, and then like, but there would be a thing later on where it's like he's got a. He's got to turn into something more substantial than that. Um, yeah. Like yeah, something yeah. that like can do something more. Like you got to turn into something that can fly. Beast boy. Yeah. Or we'll never make it out. Or you got to turn into something that can breathe underwater. Beast boy. Or we'll never yeah. make it out. Something like that. Yeah. Like little things that like trigger him to, to become those things or whatever. Yeah. You oh, got to become something without a skeleton. Beast boy. I should also mention, like, uh, 
because this can play into like different plot things later on with crazy Jane, like in her head, like there's a place called the underground. It's where like all the different personalities live and stuff. It's almost like a subway station. Like there's like different tunnels and stuff that go to like different personalities, like housing kind of. Yeah. Um, And the reason I mentioned that is like, happens in the show happens in comics like jane will get lost or they have to find a specific personality and so negative man using like the negative energy of the negative spirit will like touch cliff and touch jane and like cliff (laughs) cliff will like his consciousness will go into the underground Okay. And he'll be searching for Jane or, or searching for something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to mention that, though. That's interesting. Yeah, so we've definitely got, like, a good set of... Okay, so Chief, Elastigirl, Negative Man, Robot Man, and Crazy Jane. Um, now, that's five characters already. Yeah, yeah. Do, so to put Beast Boy in, would we want to tack him on or swap someone out? Let's see. Okay, so you if, said... If we still want to do Beast Boy at all, he might make it a little bit crowded for a first movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. All right. Let me type this out just so I have it in front of me. Okay, so you got Chief, got Robot Man, got Negative Man, got Elastigirl... got crazy jane hmm yeah we it, it's it's the it's the exact cast as the show um because <laughs> okay. chief robot man negative man elastigirl and crazy jane are the cast of the show but they have the sixth person, which is a uh, cyborg mm. in the show. Oh, another Teen Titan. Yeah, yeah. Another iconic Teen Titan. So <clears throat> we can either do those five or we can do those five plus Beast Boy. Or for the first movie, we can do those five. And then like in the second movie uh, or, or at the end of the first movie or in the second movie, um, something happens with one of these five. Um, they go and Beast Boy comes in. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, Beast Boy could also function as like kind of like a like a Mantis role. Like, yeah, like yeah. how Mantis in the second Guardians movie was was introduced as like the sixth member. Yeah. I feel like he fits that role pretty nicely. Yeah. Coming in a little bit later. And and <laughs> Like, uh, when he does come in, uh, I'll kind of like this because, like, his energy with Robot Man's energy, and I'm not talking about Beast Boy from Titans. Beast Boy from Titans is kind of like that teen that plays video games and stuff, but he's not as, like, I don't know, energetic or fun as, like, the comics or the Teen Titans show. Yeah, um, you're, you're thinking early 2000s Teen Titans cartoon? Somewhat. Somewhat have that energy. He can have, like, his... Like all, yeah yeah like with all the doom patrol they all have their issues and stuff but like 
I don't know. I, I would like to see like him and Robot Man interact because like not saying it's going to be straight up Beast Boy and Cyborg from Teen Titans, but it'll feel a little bit like that because Robot Man is like he's 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 the the comedy guy. He's the silly guy. And like Beast Boy has that energy and he sometimes does comedy stuff. So like seeing those two interact together will be nice in that second movie. One of one of my favorite lines from Cyborg in the old Teen Titans cartoon. And I don't know why this came up in my mind because I just I had this image in my head of Cyborg yelling at Beast Boy, which was usually their relationship in the cartoon mm-hmm. um, of Cyborg's like right arm is missing. He's like, I don't know if you just noticed, but I just became left handed. <laughs> like, I don't know why that like that's one of my favorite cyborg lines, but also it's like I don't know why that just popped up in my head. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but I just became left-handed. <laughs> but yeah, I think for now, uh at least for the first movie, basically the cast <laughs> of Doom Patrol except Cyborg. Like the cast right. of Doom Patrol. Uh last thing. Um, yeah. I don't know anything about Doom Patrol villains. Okay, so <clears throat> all right. There's different routes with this. I'll I'll pose some right now. We don't have to like set in stone one, but this will get us thinking later down the road. Um you have Negative Man who for the first season was like the main villain. Okay. Uh, Negative Man is this guy in like the forties, it doesn't have to be this, but this is like the show during, or it was like right after like Nazi Germany and stuff right after world war two, but there's still like countries that have like taken in Nazis to do experiments and stuff. Yeah. Um, he goes to one of those countries and uh, he want to be experimented on to like have like superpowers basically. Okay. Um, Something goes wrong. I don't want to spoil anything for the show or anything. Something goes wrong with the whole experiment thing. And he basically becomes like, he has like godlike abilities, basically. Mm, Like he, he can appear anywhere. He can cause different things to happen to you, cause hallucinations, uh, uh, take you into other dimensions, like, literally whatever your imagination can come up with negative man basically can do that so okay. so storytelling wise if you choose negative man as a villain it's whatever your imagination wants um uh, uh who else am i thinking about i thought negative mm-hmm. man's only thing was the ghost thing Oh, not negative man. I meant uh Mr. Nobody. That's what I meant to say. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Mr. They Nobody. Similar names. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get them confused all the time. Mister Nobody is what I meant, not negative man. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Mister Nobody. Uh, and then another one is the uh, how was it called? The Legion of Evil or whatever. Let me see. Uh, it's whatever the brain is over. Oh, okay. So he evil. is just called the brain. Yeah, he's just called the brain. Um, Brotherhood of Evil. That's what it is. Of evil. Yeah, in the main three of that, you have the brain. Um, you have uh, what is his name? That that giant like 
gorilla. Yeah. Um, oh, I can never like Super intelligent. Um, then you have Madame Rogue, who is like able to, like, she has like um, mystique powers, but also like more. She's able to like turn mm-hmm. into creatures. Like, she's able to turn into a bird or whatever, okay. like a snake or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I, okay. To, to give my opinion real quick, I kind of like the Legion of Evil for the first one. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Nobody for the second one. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fine. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, um, if you get Dorothy involved, you can always have uh, the candle maker. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's also... What's his name? Red Jack, I think is his name. He's this like like interdimensional being who like he's Jack the Ripper. Okay. He's Jack the Ripper. He did all the killings, but like <clears throat> he thrives on like suffering. Mm-hmm. Like like he'll torture you, all that stuff, and he'll while he's doing Just it, like, like my ex-wife. <laughs> he'll he'll be torturing you in the worst ways possible and as he's doing he's just like ah yes that aroma yummy like he's that type of guy i can Mm. smell the ammonia as you go pee pee in your pants (laughs) from the fear yeah but uh but yeah those are like uh kind of the main main villains okay but yeah, I like I like the Legion of Evil for right. That's what it was called. Yeah, or uh, Brotherhood of Evil. Brotherhood of Evil. That's it. I like the Brotherhood of Evil for the first one, and like Mister Nobody for the second one. Yeah, that sounds good. Because like, what better to be like your weird villain than a brain in a jar for your first movie? Yeah, and then like it's all a of, all of a sudden, just this godlike entity in the next one. Yeah, yeah, it's a brain in a jar, and and like I, I like it because like uh, it's interesting how they do the show where like season one you have this super powerful villain of Mister Nobody, and then season three they're kind of dealing with a bunch of stuff, and like the Brotherhood of Evil is like technically the main villains of season three, but they're like kind of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh. But yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see that because yeah, the brain is—it's just a weird character. He's <clears throat> got the brain. You got this intelligent gorilla that likes to wear one of those like uh, those little hats. Is it a beret? Yeah, beret. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Madame Rogue. All her they're stuff. All, they're all French, aren't they? Are they all French? Um. I remember in the Teen Titans cartoon, the brain was French. Okay, then if if that's the case, then yes, because I couldn't remember if the brain was or not. You can even have little jokes like that, like. <laughs> but then in a uh, in the Young Justice cartoon, the brain just has a robotic voice. Yeah, that's how it is in the show. It's just like a regular voice. But I do remember the the gorilla in the show was like French. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the gorilla talking in the Teen Titans cartoons, so maybe for that one, they just kind of mixed the gorilla and the brain together. Monsieur Mala is the gorilla's name. Monsieur Mala, okay. All right.
Yeah, I knew it was French sounding. I just yeah. never remember that gorilla's name. It's been so long since I've seen the Doom Patrol episodes of the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Or episode. I don't even remember how many episodes it was. I think it was like one episode where like they kind of address the fact that Beast Boy used to be a member of the Doom Patrol and like they helped the Doom Patrol fight the brain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which it can just be those three members, but I'm just seeing who all is on the Brotherhood of Evil. Yeah. Yeah, it can just be those three. Yeah. Yeah, three is good. And, like, I feel like they might have, like, a small army behind them, which would help yeah. like, the title of Brotherhood of Evil to it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, they're the three main ones. Yeah, to make it to make it weird, your army could just literally be, like, a bunch of other robotic creatures, or, or maybe not even robotic, just, like, creatures with, like, brains put in them. Mm. Um, or uh, it could just be a bunch of, like, monkeys yeah. running around. I mean, like, there's, there's different options. There's different yeah. stuff. Just a bunch of weird guys. Yeah. <clears throat> just a bunch of weird guys running around firing guns. Ooh, you want to go, like, really weird? <laughs> Basically, um, this is kind of where uh, they parried it in uh, Billy and Mandy. You could have, like, a bunch of different animals, but with, like, the, gra- the brain... Uh, uh, floating capsule thing on their head yeah like the yeah. thing and uh and evil incarnate yeah i think you mean evil concarne oh yeah yeah that's right yeah <laughs> oh brandon brandon not knowing his spanish But yeah, I mean that's that's weird on its own of just like we have an army and it's just tons of different animals, but they all have like brains and it's like human brains. So it's yeah. like humans, like these evil humans that are like controlling these different animals. Yeah, that'd be funky. Cause that's that's going along the weird Doom Patrol side. Yeah. And all of them have guns. Yeah. <laughs> guns and swords and grenades. They're yeah. all hit monkey. <laughs> That's a Marvel yeah. character. There's even like one or two animals to where like they're given this stuff, but like they can't like move because they're so small or they're so like weirdly shaped as an animal where it's like I can't I can't hold this gun like <laughs> yeah. yeah like one of them's a horse yeah <laughs> so they had to like mount gatling guns to the side of him yeah yeah and put, just like, like, a, and put like a trigger device in his mouth that he can bite down on yeah 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 one of them's a squirrel who can't move because the human brain that's attached to it is too big 
Yeah, yeah. So, oh my gosh! So the squirrel has a little remote control. Okay, here it is. The squirrel's the field leader. Yeah, and he's he's got a human-sized brain attached to the squirrel-sized skull and body. So he has like a little remote-controlled wheelchair that he operates to move his little <laughs> stupid squirrel brain. Yeah, here. Right. may as well have just been a brain in a jar instead yeah. of attached to a squirrel. Like, there's no reason for the squirrel, but it's there. Yeah, he's like, I thought. I th- I thought I would have all the powers of a squirrel. I thought I could climb and <laughs> run and all that, but no, the brain's too big for this, for a squirrel apparently. Yeah, because that's one of that's part of like the silliness of like <clears throat> the Brotherhood of Evil is like the brain's design is like so outdated. Yeah, like it's just this like rolling like it's it's it looks like i don't know like a rolling suppository or something yeah the the brain is such a 60s concept and it's yeah, it yeah. is a wonder that that villain has survived to the modern day yeah to where like a a, a big plot thing in season 3 of doom patrol it's not a spoiler cuz they're not like major villains but he like wants to steal robot man's body cuz he's oh. like your body's a lot more uh, advanced than mine. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, like, but then again, the brain being so outdated as a villain concept is a part of Doom Patrol's identity at this yeah. point. Because, like, yeah, oh, like yeah. Doom, Doom Patrol is a pulp sci-fi series that, by some, like unknowable like cosmic coincidence some accident of creativity has managed to last as long as it has yeah and honestly like no offense to like the 60s doom patrol but the 60s doom patrol was just like the weird uh uh sci-fi stuff that was going on during that time like 60s was a weird time for like sci-fi comics and stuff to where like the weirdness of embracing doom patrol because like yeah you have weirdness because it's 60s but like embracing the weirdness didn't come till grant morrison came along and the thing about doom patrol is it's the kind of weird sci-fi that was just starting to go out of fashion in the 60s yeah yeah like if that had if if doom patrol had started a decade earlier like people would have loved it it would have been like a celebrated part of the pulp sci-fi age yeah uh, but like because it's a part of the 60s it's like wow doom patrol even for its time is a little odd yeah but yeah you're right like the whole embracing the weird kind of didn't come till morrison's run from my understanding of it at least because people yeah. never talk about the pre-morrison doom patrol no like most most of what you know as doom patrol not saying the characters because like obviously elastigirl and all them were around in the 60s but what you know them for or like the act the actual characterization of them and stuff didn't happen till morrison and onward yeah it's just like how people never really talk about pre-alan moore swamp thing yeah yeah exactly do i hear someone mention me (laughs) now go go back to sleep alan then go back to sleep on the couch okay okay. (sighs) i'll dream of my former home in the shadow realm who I have heard has taken a human host recently. Jared Leto.
I'm glad he did an awful job at the Joker. I hate the Joker. I hate the Joker so much. I hate the Joker for what he did to Batgirl. Alan, (laughs) I'll just let him go to sleep. (laughs) I'll never forgive him. Alan, can you tell us what he did to Batgirl? No. No, I refuse. Okay, I never will. <laughs> Joker, Joker, who? Hmm? <laughs> What's this Batgirl? Nobody. Nobody I can think about. So okay, but yeah, like nobody ever talks about like pre Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Yeah, nobody talks about pre Morrison. Doom Patrol. Nobody talks about pre-Morris and Animal Man, honestly. Yeah, yeah, true. Honestly, anything Morrison has touched, people rarely talk about it before Morrison touched it. That is true. If, if it's like a a B-list character before, or a B-list teamer before, yeah, it's usually like Morrison kind of established what you know. Yeah, like, the only two properties um, that, like, Morrison is really well known for doing crazy runs on that I hear people talk about um, like old stuff from is X-Men and Batman. Yeah, and and those are like the those things have been big yeah. and well known even before him. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, even even before Morrison did any and that's why that's why people yeah. talk about like because Morrison's iconic Batman stuff didn't come along until like the 2010s, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, or, well, like... late 2000s, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their uh, their X Men stuff didn't come along until the early 2000s. So yeah, by then Claremont had already done his iconic run on the X Men. But uh, but yeah, like, but yeah, those are the only two. Morrisonized properties I can think of that live outside of that. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, like Animal Man is Animal Man because of Grant Morrison, and and Doom Patrol is Doom Patrol because of Grant Morrison. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else. Done those, yeah, because I'm, I'm scrolling through. Those are like <clears throat> the main small, or, or what I mean by small, like main B list or lower stuff that he's done. Yeah. Um, after that, he he kind of jumped into the big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. After that, comic book companies were like, "Hey, Grant Morrison, you." Uh, are a pretty good writer. You want to do like big names almost exclusively, and Morrison re- probably responded with like, "Oh, I'm, not, I'm Scottish." And they're like, "We'll take that as a yes." That's my best impression of a Scottish person I can do right now. <laughs> exactly. I'm tired, and I I haven't heard Morrison's voice enough to do a good impression. No, that's exactly what they sound like. I'm not a Scottish accent. 
Sounds like <laughs> sounds like Dee Dee from Lemmy's show. <laughs> oh, going down the, 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 get, the, the, the bus going to Yoko. I'm like, hi. I've never been to Yoko before. So I was like, no, oh, your chance. Get on the bus and go to Yoko. Have you ever seen Lemmy's show? No. So what I was just doing was an impression of a character from Lemmy's show. Um, that you, you just try as you might, you'll never understand a word he says. Oh, okay. And it's like you need subtitles to understand him, and and sometimes depending on where you're getting your subtitles from, even those will fail you, um, because he's supposed to be like this this burnt out, uh, like clearly like a stoner like Scottish guy whose life isn't going anywhere. And he just tells these pointless stories about all these nothing little adventures he has. Like one story he tells is about how he was going to collect an unemployment check. um, And he spots a bus on its way to a town called Yoker. And so he's like, I've never been to Yoker before. So he just gets on the bus to Yoker and he sits down, and a lady sits down next to him, and he asks the lady, uh, are, are you, I'm on my way to Yoker, and he's, and he's making up a story, too, he's like, oh yeah, I'm moving, I'm moving to Yoker, just don't go to check it out, because he don't, doesn't want people to suspect that, you know, he's just going to Yoker for no reason. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's no reason for him to hide this from anyone, but he's weird. <laughs> so he's, he's going to Yoker, and he asks this lady sitting next to him, like, so like, are you are you from Yoker? And she's like, Yeah, uh, I'm from Yoker. And he's like, Oh, I was just, I'm just going to check it out. And he's like, Are you are you were were you did you live anywhere else or were you born in Yoker? And she's like, I, I was born born and bred in Yoker. And he's like, Ah, so you'll never know what it's like to not be from Yoker. And she just gives him a weird look, and he just stares out the window. But I highly recommend Lemmy's show. It's hilarious. Okay, I might have to check that out. Yeah, I think it's still available on Netflix. But yeah, you you'll want subtitles though. You'll want to turn subtitles on. It is extremely Scottish. Okay, they're speaking English the whole time, and you'd never know it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of parts of Scotland that sound very much like that. Where it's like this, this is its own language. What is this? Yeah, right. Oh, one of the best characters in Lemmy's show is Jacqueline McCafferty. It's a, the very first character that Lemmy introduces in the show. It's this woman named Jacqueline McCafferty, which is just him with makeup and a wig. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't even shave for the role. Yeah. He just, he just, so, like, the very first time you see Jacqueline McCafferty, he's got, like, a, an actual natural five o'clock shadow on his face because he didn't shave. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just it's like my name's Jacqueline McCaffrey. I used to be a junkie, but I'm clean now. <laughs> and like that's how Jacqueline introduces herself to everyone. She's like, my name's Jacqueline McCaffrey. I used to be a junkie. Watch me clean now, getting my life right, getting my daughter back from social. Yeah, I, I love Lemmy's show. 
It it only went for like three seasons, and they're all very short. But yeah, it's it's just a funny show. So I guess consider that like a an honorary recommendation for the week. I've probably recommended it on here before. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that sense of humor that yeah. gets to me. Because he's got such a weird but specific sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's very into the... um. Well, he's very into, like, a, his sense of humor is similar. I would compare it to Smiling Friends, where it's like... The characters he's presenting you are exaggerated, but they're very clearly inspired by the sort of people you'd probably meet on a daily basis in Scotland. Okay. Like, that's just the vibe I get. I'm like, the only way someone could construct a character like this is if they've met someone like this. So that's just what Limmy's show characters feel like. And it's a sketch comedy, but it has a very large number of like recurring characters that Lemmy does. Some recurring bit like characters only last for one season and some of them last the entire series. But uh but yeah, he, like he's got he's got a bunch of like recurring characters that he does. So it's like even though it's a sketch comedy, you still get the sense that like you have some form of an ongoing narrative. Yeah. Cuz every every time he revisits a character it's very clearly after all the other times you've seen them like nothing resets this is the next step in that character's life yeah yeah so like the next time you see Jacqueline McCafferty it's after the last time you saw her oh okay so yeah it's it's I think it's a really cool way to do a sketch comedy where it's like yeah every episode you're getting a bunch of different bits but all those same characters come back for new bits next week, so you still get like more from them. It's very fun. I like it. Nice. I, I'm sorry, I got way off track. No, you're good. The last bit, but I think yeah, I think we've got a cast figured out for a Doom Patrol episode. Yeah, Brandon. Yes. If you don't give me plugs and recommendations right now, then I will hire you to be a part-time caretaker for my wheelchair-bound granddaughter. But she doesn't like you. At your age, is your granddaughter like an infant and she's She's, in a wheelchair? She's 24. Oh, wow. It's wild. The time manipulation there. And she doesn't like you. Okay. You said she's 24. Is she she cute? Oh, very. Like, extremely. Oh, okay. Like, Hmm. it's almost unfair how pretty she is. And it's like, she's going to hate me at first for a long time, but eventually she might, she might, she might dig me. She might warm up to you, yeah. All, mm-hmm. If you play, if you play your cards right. Okay. <laughs> I think I'll take my chances with that. <laughs> no, I need you to give me plugs and recommendations. Fine. <laughs> if you don't give me plugs and recommendations, I'll give you a free copy of Morbius. Oh gosh! All right. Quickly, I gotta say it quick. Uh, 
plugs uh disney comics that's d-i-s-m-a-y comics on facebook and instagram the gallows man number two well it's gallows man one and two in case you haven't read uh number one you get a chance to do it now uh gallows man one and two kickstarter may 3rd likely by the time you're listening to this the kickstarter is happening it could even be over I could yeah, it's, it's, it's probably already happening or happened by the time you're listening to this. Yes. But, uh, yeah, go go support that. Uh, a fun little romp there. Um, uh, yeah, that's all plugs. Uh, recommendations. Let's see. The first one, <clears throat> I finally got Tom King's Strange Adventures, and I Ooh. finally read it. Um, like with all Tom King 12-issue maxi series, it's good. But of the five 12-issue maxi series I've read, Uh-oh. it's the weakest of the five. Ah, Yeah. So you hate Tom King's writing now. <laughs> yeah. <it sounds> like <laughs> That's how it works. If it's if it's not 100% yeah. love, it's got to be hate. Yeah, if it's not 100% love, it's got to be hate. That's what people will say to me about my opinion on the Batman. It's like, no, I think it's good. But like with Strange Adventures, I do have some problems with it. Strange Adventures, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the biggest, like ultimately I should say it's like a great story. It's a good story, great little character piece on uh, Adam Strange. And like the, the big premise of it is like, and you see it on covers and stuff, so this isn't a spoiler, is like <clears throat> Adam Strange, for those that don't know, he's this guy that gets zapped by this Zeta beam. Basically, best way to describe it is he gets zapped into a faraway place in space, like uh, another galaxy, <clears throat> and he fights for this place i think it's called ron or rom i can't remember um he he's like a a, a soldier for uh helping this place that's being overrun and invaded by this alien source that's like uh killed and taken over many many planets um that's the premise of like Adam Strange and Strange Adventures as a whole. That like the old comics, that's the premise. Um, in this, the war is over. Adam Strange like helped well, he go home then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does go home. Yeah, the war is over, and he's like this public uh uh celebrity and stuff now. He's doing like book signings, like he wrote a book called Strange Adventures. Uh he's doing book signings, he's famous, and it's about his like life and like his his the war on ron basically wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute ron isn't isn't that the planet thanagar is at war with uh i don't know i remember reading something about a ron thanagar thanagar war like a long time ago in the comic books that could have happened okay for people wondering one of uh and you can listen to our swamp thing versus hawkman failure uh <laughs> for more on this but one of the possible origin stories for hawkman is that he comes from a planet called thanagar yeah anyway sorry but, continue no no you're good but like uh so that war is over the war is is one ron safe as well as like uh 
he saved the earth because what would have happened is they would have taken over Ron and then eventually made their way to earth, that sort of stuff. Um, so he's like this big hero, but like, there's like some people that will like, there's like a guy that shows up to one of the book signings and like has a camera in his face, like a phone in his face and is like, you know what you did, you know what you did, you criminal, you war criminal, all this stuff. And like, he gets taken out of the, the bookstore by security and all this stuff. And eventually like within 24 hours, that guy at the book signing is killed. Mm. He's killed. And there's a mystery around like who killed him. And like, some people think it's, it's Adam strange and, and Adam's like, it's, it's not me. You have to believe me. And he calls up Batman. He's like, you need to, I need you to like solve this for me. Cause keep in mind, this is in the middle of his book tour and all this stuff. So this is like bad public image on him and stuff. He's like, come at me with everything you got, investigate me however you want. And just, just prove that it wasn't me. And, uh, Batman's like, I can't do that. Like we're too close. Like we're too close of friends. So Batman's like, I can get the next person that can, that can do it better than me. Yeah. So Batman gets Mr. Terrific to investigate Adam Strange. Okay. Like, investigate everything. I mean, like, the stuff that happened on Ron, all that stuff. Um, and it goes from there. It's, it's a really interesting story from there, this investigation of, like, what all did Adam Strange do on Ron? Was he involved with the, the murder of this guy? Like, all this stuff. My one thing with it, though, is I don't think it should have been 12 issues. I think this could have been eight to 10 issues. Okay. Um, there's some parts where it feels a little bit like stretched, like, like, all right, let's, let's get to the point or like, let's speed things along. Um, that's my main complaint with it. And then my second complaint not going to get into spoilers but like uh tom king has a thing for like and, and like i don't honestly care about this but a lot of people that don't like tom king this is the one thing they'll always say is he has a thing for like upending superheroes yeah. like pulling a wally west basically oh yeah yeah he has a thing for doing that with superheroes and for the most part I don't entirely like agree as that being like a negative because a lot of good stories have he does do that sometimes, but there have been good stories that have dealt with that type of thing or whatever. But like, I don't know this one. I felt a little bit of it, even though I have no connection with Adam strange or anything like that. I kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah. So like those are my two big negatives with it. Those ultimately are kind of the reasons I put it on the lowest of the twelve issue maxi series. The big the big problem I have with it is it's like it's just a little too long. It could have been a couple issues shorter. Yeah, there's just a little too much padding. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, but ultimately, real quick, I yeah. I googled it. Ron Thanagar War is a thing. It's a mini series that led into Infinite Crisis in like the mid 2000s. Oh, okay. That's I knew I knew I'd heard about it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh 
even though I, I have those complaints with it, like still good book. I still recommend all of those 12 issue maxi series by Tom King. Uh, I recommend the other four more than that. Like Mr. Miracle, Sheriff of Babylon, Omega men, the vision, like read those before you read strange adventures, but eventually get to strange adventures. Um, uh, and then last recommendation this is kind of like a two a twofer uh i recommend the doom patrol show i finished all three seasons and uh i had mentioned before it stands out compared to the other live action dc shows that are going on right now uh one it's really good but when you compare those it's like oh it's really really good uh because i've watched all three seasons of doom patrol i've seen all of season one of Titans and like the first couple episodes of season two of Titans. And I've watched the first two episodes of Peacemaker. Um, I, I don't know if I can really get into Peacemaker. Like, I don't know. It's like the, it's the humor. And so like, yeah, it, it, it has its funny moments and stuff, but like, I don't know. There, there's only like so much, at the end of the day, it just feels like James Gunn doing another Guardians thing, but with a different skin. Okay, like yeah. that, is that's it what just, it feels like. Is it just a little too much? I don't know. It, not saying it's like too much, but it's just like I feel like I've seen this before, but with more oh, interesting I characters, see. like in the Guardians. Yeah, it doesn't like, do enough to properly differentiate itself from Gunn's other work. To me, it doesn't. At least with the humor and the way they talk and stuff, it feels exactly the same. Okay. Um, obviously, plot structure and storytelling is different, but like, yeah, because of how they talk in that humor, it feels exactly like Guardians, or or feels very similar to Suicide Squad, like or the Suicide Squad, I should say, the good one. Um, yeah. To where I don't know, I'm just not super interested in it. Okay. Uh, but a, a lot of people love it. I'm probably in the minority on that one. Uh, I'm definitely in the minority on this. I know probably no one else really holds this. I think Titans is better than Peacemaker. Whoa. Hold your fire. Hold your fire, everyone. Okay. Yeah. I, I have no connection to either show. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm just saying like, I know how people are. Yeah. I'll say this though. I'll say this. Titans has a lot worse stuff than Peacemaker. If you're talking about like which is like a better show as a whole, probably Peacemaker. But I like Titans more. Like, yes, Titans has like some bad stuff. Like, like it, like, yeah, you like see. I, I, for, I think for, Tio. Yeah, and, and, oh, you, you tell him. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I, I'll spoil this because it's not like a big spoiler or anything. <clears throat> it's like episode nine or ten of uh, season one of Titans. It's showing the backstory of Hawk and Dove. And it shows at this specific point, it's how they meet. And uh, Hawk, this is out of costume. Hawk's with his brother, Don. And uh, uh, Dove is with her mom. And they bump into Hawk and Dove, or they bump into Hawk and Don. And they start like talking and stuff. And the mom's like, oh, they're cute. Don't you think, sweetheart? And they're having like, Little, try to take both of them. 
Yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're right, Mom. And then right as that happens, you hear a car, like, zooming. And it's going, like, weirdly fast, like, breaking physics fast. Because it, it, it's CG. It just looks yeah, weird coming so up the camera. That it looks like it's not really there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, like, coming at the camera. And then you have, like, I get what they're trying to do, but this was done so awfully. They're trying to do, like, Still a blocks. bird's eye view. They're trying to do like a bird's eye view of this accident. And so it shows a bird's eye view and it shows <clears throat> this car with terrible CGI run over Don and the mom, like <laughs> squish them into this like newspaper stand. And like, as it happens, you hear the mom, like as she's being squished, you hear her go, ah, and you hear, <laughs> you hear Hawk go, Donnie. <laughs> like in this weird bird eye view, yeah, it, it, it's, it's supposed to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be like a serious like character defining moment for these two how they met as well as like the loved ones they lost that eventually lead them into becoming superheroes but the way it's shot and stuff it's so funny like it's unintentionally comedic yeah. like like uh, if it was a comedy show that was that would be how you shoot it for like comedy sake because it it's funny and it looks weird it made me think of Velocipaster. Yes, yes, that's like a Velocipaster type thing. Yeah, like and 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 the thing is, like, and when I say it's abrupt, I mean like you don't see like the the like once the once the car runs them over and then hits into something, you don't see like the inertia try to carry the car through. Like you don't see the yeah. car's force continue going forward. The car hits the wall and stops. Yeah. It is so like the it is so poorly animated. It is so like and the the sound mixing all together is like really funny because you just hear their voices like like you said just ah Donnie. <laughs> you hear the mom like after you like, see her get well pancaked. Yeah, like literally after you see her get pancaked, you just hear ah. You hear <laughs> the you hear Hawk go Donnie, and then right after he says Donnie, this is less than a second after they've been ran over. It cuts to Hawk and Dove in like a group therapy session. It's like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> like, slow down for a second. What just happened? <laughs> You're telling me <laughs> You're telling me that this this random car just randomly whips around and abruptly flattens your brother? Yeah. <laughs> Like I need some time to 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 process this as well as like laugh because that looked horrible. Ah, Donnie! And then, <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I'm sitting here at this group therapy session. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <clears throat> so Titans has its problems. That's like the worst scene ever. Uh, it also has like some CGI problems here and there. Uh, especially with characters like like Donna Troy at some point is introduced and like yeah. her doing acrobatics like jumping super high over like a, a car and stuff looks really weird yeah um, yeah I mean it, it's this as well as Doom Patrol are technically Berlanti shows because it's Berlanti oh. Productions Doom oh. Patrol doesn't feel like it though Hold on, Doom Patrol does not feel at all like Berlanti at all. It doesn't really? feel anything oh, like okay. Well, okay, Yeah, yeah. Doom, Doom Patrol probably not. But I was gonna say everything I've seen of Titans 
feels yeah. like other than the language it belongs on the cw ultimately it's bad to say it's like titans is like the best thing that can come out of cw and that's not saying like amazing praise for it i'm just saying it's the best thing that can come out of cw but it's nowhere near the quality of doom patrol yeah okay um, yeah, like Titans has its good moments. Ultimately, I thought the first like three episodes of Titans were super solid. Mm. Like, like at first, first episode going in, I'm like, this is just going to be edgy CW thing. Yeah, because I remember I the mean, trailer. Robin talks about having relations with Batman yeah. right there in that alley. Because <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We all remembered that trailer that came out, and that's what turned me off from ever wanting to watch the show. Yeah, like the beat Batman and all this yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. Everyone's super edgy. Uh, uh, Starfire looks like a prostitute. I'm not. I'm talking about her outfit. And even <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even watching the show, that is still a complaint I have. Is like mm-hmm. that first season. I just don't like her outfit. Yeah, like she. This isn't spoiling anything, but she has amnesia. She got in a car accident. She doesn't remember she's an alien and all that stuff. Oh, spoilers. Wait, 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 wait. There was a car accident bad enough to give Starfire (laughs) sufficient brain damage to suffer from amnesia? Yes. (laughs) A Superman-level character with Superman-level durability got amnesia from a car crash. Yes. (laughs) This show sucks. <laughs> they they definitely nerfed her, like her powers and stuff. They're definitely nerfed. Uh, I'm assuming she'll get better as the show goes on. I'm debating on continuing it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I like even amidst like amnesia, like you, she like wakes up and realizes like these people are after her and all this stuff. So you know what I would think if I was her. Hmm, I have a very distinct look. I have this like very like reddish hair. It's very reddish hair. I have I'm wearing like a ton of lipstick and this eyeliner that like pops in your face and I'm wearing like prostitute clothes basically. These very okay, bright to be, fair, to be fair, even though she doesn't look human in the comics, they still kind of dress her like a prostitute in most They do. But what I'm trying to go with here is like she doesn't really know at this point that she has all this like uh, uh, starfire abilities and stuff. Like she yeah. she like, does some combat and stuff, and is like, oh, like I know kung fu, like that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but like in knowing that people are after you, the first thing I would think is, oh, I need to change the way I look. People are after me. I need to like changes because I look too distinct. You could pick, you could pick me out. You could have a satellite in space and easily tell who I am. You could have a where's Waldo like photo and you could easily point me out. So what she needs to do is wash off the makeup, shave her head and get naked. No one will notice her. You don't even, that's. (laughs) (laughs) Did it take you a bit to get to hear what I said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ultimately, maybe I don't know. Maybe you can keep the hair, but if you're like 
trying to hide from these people, I would think at least change your clothes to not be like so in your face. Cause everyone's looking at you. Cause a lot of, there are some people that think you like look hot and stuff. They turn that's in the show. They'll like turn and pay attention to you. You have people after you looking for you as well as like, once you get involved with Dick Grayson and, and Rachel, uh, she goes by Rachel, not Raven. Um, yeah, that's, that's, her, that's her name is Rachel in the comics, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like once you get involved with them, like <clears throat> your goal is to like hide and protect this little girl. You're just like a walking target, like, <laughs> like change your appearance. Like that was my biggest problem is like, why? Like I, I get like she looks like this at the beginning or whatever, but like. <clears throat> In a storytelling sense, I'm not saying like, oh, I hate the way she looks. I'm just saying in a storytelling sense, it makes no sense why she has this get up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. The, the, the shining thing from this is I really like Dick Grayson's character. It's, it's different. This is a Robin who like, has been Robin for like 15 years. So like he's he's like quit being Robin. Like he's quit being like Bruce like Batman's Robin. Yeah. And now he lives in like Detroit and stuff and like uh he's still dressing as Robin but like you you get a sense that like he he doesn't do the Robin thing often. Like <clears throat> he does it like once every few months. Because yeah. like he's kind of lost control a little bit. Like he gets a little too violent. Okay. Um and and he feels that he's not able to control it that well. I I for this thing, again, if you put it in its own little bubble, yeah. I thought that was really interesting, uh, what they did with Robin. Um <laughs> You saying he's lost control of it just makes me think like don't make me Robin. You wouldn't <laughs> like me when I'm Robin. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I, I will say, there's some bad CGI in the show, but um, where you don't see much CGI, his first fight, the, the one where he says, beat Batman, yeah, was a really good fight. Like, it was choreographed really well to where he's using the, the batons and he connects them like the staff and all that. And it looks super cool. Yeah. I'll give them that. At least they did a cool job with Robin's fights. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Robat bat and bat needs a Robin. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I I do. I think that like at some point in the the Batman version of things, there should be a Robin at some point. Yeah, if it's not someone to talk to. Yeah, if it's not the second movie, it should pop up in the third movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of good things to say about Titans, but a lot of bad stuff is coming up. Uh, yeah, this is another bad thing. Again, I said the first three episodes are really good because the ultimate premise, like <clears throat> these three, don't finally like interact with all three of each other till like the end of episode three. Like, okay. it's all of them doing their own thing, and eventually they collide, sort of thing. Like, okay. uh, 
the main two characters at first, then Starfire gets brought in, and Starfire is actually a pretty good character. But the main two characters, it's Dick Grayson and Rachel. Like, uh, Rachel is, like, now discovering this ability and stuff that she has, and, like, uh, her adopted mom, like, is trying to protect her and take care of her, but she thinks it's, like, this, like, demon type thing to where like they're it it felt kind of like Carrie a little bit like how the mom was with Carrie but she wasn't as like abusive or anything as Carrie's mom was yeah but uh I got like some Carrie vibes in that first episode I was like this is interesting and it, it continues and then eventually Dick Grayson gets involved and is trying to protect her and all this stuff I was like I I like how this is going I like this relationship between the two and then you're introduced to Starfire. She's got interesting stuff going on. And then episode, <clears throat> you, you see Beast Boy here and there throughout. He's never like encountering with these guys. But then Beast Boy really gets into it in episode four. And that's where I think it goes downhill. Not entirely Beast Boy's fault, but I don't know. Like, But also <clears throat> completely Beast Boy's fault. But kind of Beast Boy's fault because like... <laughs> It feels like up until season two, they don't exactly know what to do with Beast Boy's character. Mm. Like, ultimately, this show is Robin, Rachel, and Starfire. But they're like, oh, crap, we're trying to form the Titans. And, like, we got to have Cyborg or Beast Boy in this somewhere. So, like, how do we push them in? Well, yeah, we're going to have Cyborg or Beast Boy in here somewhere, but unfortunately, we are under the company-wide mandate for all TV shows and movies based on DC Comics that we're not allowed to make anything fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't quite gel with Beast yeah. Boy or Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, Beast Boy felt like he was just there. You feel like it feels like he has a little bit more of a role in uh, season two, a little bit. Um, but yeah, it felt like they were just trying to like force a like either a romantic role or like a friend role with him and Rachel. Mm. Um, well, I know that Beast Boy and Raven they're like a thing in the comics, right? They are, but you can't really do that with this because the actress, it, at least in the first season is 13 or 14 and the actor for beast boy is like 23 oh yeah okay that'd be really weird yeah i didn't realize she was so young yeah yeah they look pretty much the same age but then once you like look up their ages you like start staring at his face more and you're like yeah he does look like early 20s yeah he does look like he drinks Yeah, that's just just a joke. You don't have to be a legal age before you drink. You should be, but you don't have to be. (laughs) Yeah, so like the whole true romance type thing where they like kiss or anything, you're not going to see that to like season four or whatever because she's, I think she's still not 18 yet. Yeah, Um, no, if she was, if she was like 13 or 14 in season one, how long has this show been going? Uh, three or four years. Yeah, like she's she's only just barely an older teen. Yeah. So so 
it does seem like they were kind of going with that romance route without ever them like saying anything flirty or anything like that. Like they smile at each other every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and, but there's like, there's quote unquote friendship there, but it's not, I don't know. Like my problem with it is like something happens at the end of the season <clears throat> that affects all the characters and like the character that kind of snaps her out of it or, or like affects her the most in terms of like breaking her heart is what happens to beast boy. And it's like, huh? I feel like the character that would break your heart the most is like something happening to Robin. Mm. You guys have the biggest connection. Yeah. Not, not saying like does that. He take, Cause he, does he kind of take on like a big brother role for her? Yeah. He takes on like a big brother role, even kind of, a little bit like a father figure mm. a little bit because there's a big age difference and like robin is like late 20s and she's like okay. 13 or 14 so yeah that is one thing i love their relationship like robin and rachel's relationship's really good i like the interactions with starfire that they have starfire even sometimes feels like a older sister or a little bit of a motherly figure to her uh, one problem I have with Robin and Starfire is like <clears throat> how quickly they went to to doing the deed. Oh, um, how 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 quickly they uh, they took the train, the express train to uh, uh, the Bone Zone. Yeah, exactly. Because it was like I'm fine with that happening eventually, but like they literally met like yesterday or something, and they still don't entirely know or trust each other yet it was just yeah. kind of weird it yeah, was weird it's, for robin to do yeah, that one of the one of the biggest things about their relationship in the comics is how long it took the two of them to actually get together yeah but for this it's like day two or three it, it was it felt very rushed their relationship starting like because because i'm thinking about robin as a character yes i'm trying to dismiss it from other material but like even this robin he's he very much feels like he could eventually become batman because that's what batman's kind of trying to do a little bit oh okay. um, like uh <clears throat> he he feels that way to where like i feel like he would think a little bit before like doing this i don't know it felt very like sudden and just felt odd that he would choose to do this so soon yeah um, well, he it's a bit of a risk to accidentally create dick grayson jr a little too early in life <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i i don't know Oh, another thing I didn't like is uh. Okay. Well, oh, sorry. No, 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 I don't have anything to say. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering is this is this still a recommendation? Because so far I feel like you're deterring people from it. I still kind of like it, even though I'm like crapping all over it. I haven't said anything positive really. I still kind of like it. Um. But but the kind of one of the last things I like and dislike about season one is <clears throat> the big build is Trigon. That is yeah. the big build. 
Like you're constantly hearing about Raven's father. You have these like cult members that are after her. That's really cool. I think that's interesting. Yeah, if if mm-hmm. I was writing a Titans TV show, which is something that like I thought about when I was younger, I was like yeah. I always thought to myself, if I ever got to write a, a DC superhero TV show, the Teen Titans is my first pick. Um, yeah, Trigon was always like the big endgame villain to me. Yeah, which is weird because I'll talk about season two a little bit in just a second. It's weird to see that he's this villain in season one. It feels like he kind of pulled a dark side Justice League thing here. Yeah. Um, but but Trigon, like, I love the build. Amazing job at, at building this. Like, you, yeah. there's a cult around Trigon and all this stuff. You're trying to figure out, like, was it all mean why is starfire here all this different stuff you're you're getting uh, uh starfire's memory starts to slowly come back as the season starts uh wrapping up and all that um and like uh eventually you get trigon it's like oh wow we got this big bad he's he's here we've been hyping him up and all this stuff and like he gets defeated in my opinion really easily or, or really quickly i shouldn't say easily really quickly in in the episode that a fight occurs or whatever yeah and you see that's i feel like that's a consistent problem for a lot of like a uh, dc comics tv shows mm-hmm. um, especially ones produced through like berlanti productions um because uh they always go for the biggest villain possible in season one. Yeah. Like the arch nemesis type character, like reverse flash was the villain in the first season of the flash. Yeah. Which generally speaking makes sense. Sure. But at the same time, it's like, eh. so it's, it's one of those things where like, they always go for the biggest villain possible season one and everything after that, like just by its very nature feels underwhelming. Um, Either that, or they have to artificially hype everything up after that because it's like, I don't know if there's this mentality of like, we don't know if we're getting renewed, do the biggest thing you can every time. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Because that's also kind of like the thing with like, like superhero movies from the pre MCU time, right? Where uh, every first superhero movie was always the, the arch nemesis is the villain. The first Spider-Man movie, Green Goblin. Uh, first X-Men movie, gotta be Magneto. Which, that one also makes sense, because Magneto's a character who can stick around for a long time. But, uh, um, doing a first Batman movie, it's gotta be the Joker. I think about that mentality with these shows, though, and I don't know if they have that. The reason I say that is because I'm now thinking about some of these DC shows, and as much as I love Doom Patrol, uh, at the end of season two, it's not wrapped up like the villain just did its big thing. And then the, the first episode of season three is that conclusion. That's the wrap. The, the first episode of season three is truly the season finale of season two. Yeah. And with Titans, it's the same thing. Big bad thing happens, uh, which the season finale of season one of Titans is, I think, really good. It's a great like Elseworld type thing. Uh, 
Dick Grayson's it's complicated, but Trigon's like trying to turn them dark a little bit and they're kind of in their own mind and they have to kind of fight their own demons. Uh, What it means by that for Dick Grayson is like, it's a uh, kind of dystopian future to where Jason Todd is now paralyzed. He's no longer Robin. Uh, Dick Grayson has retired Robin. He has a family now and all this stuff. Jason Todd comes to him as like, you need to help Bruce. Like he's, he's snapped. Like <clears throat> Joker killed commissioner Gordon. Alfred has been dead. I think bat. I think Bruce is going to kill Joker. Um, to where Dick has to like, try to stop him from snapping. Bruce does snap and, and it, it results with Dick having to confront whether or not he kills Batman. Okay. Um, it, it's ultimately a mind game that Trigon's trying to do with it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and it ends with, with Dick giving into that dark side and he, he becomes like this. Dick gives into dark side. <laughs> when did he become a part of this? Well, well, Dick, he has like these, like, these possessed eyes basically like he's like he's embraced his true darkness and is like kind of like a minion of trigon now ends there that's that's the season finale of season one of titans yeah that's not a conclusion though the conclusion is episode one of season two that's when it all gets wrapped up all the trigon stuff gets wrapped up I don't like that because what no. if you didn't get renewed for season two? <laughs> yeah, well, that and like ending last season's conflict in the first episode of the next season—that's a bad model. Yeah, and it from what I'm seeing with these DC shows, they love to do that because Doom Patrol didn't do that up until the end of season two. Where okay, there's a reason you, they did that for season two. The pandemic uh, meant that they couldn't film the last episode for season two. Because That's season two was being filmed right when the pandemic was starting, so they had an excuse for that one. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. They weren't able to finish the second season, so they just had to make the end of it part of the third season. That yeah, okay, I could see that. That would make sense. But yeah, with the Titans thing, it's like you're lucky you got renewed because everyone didn't want to watch your show to begin with. Yeah, and like that's a risky thing to just end it like that because. Yeah. one yeah i don't like it because like one i if you're a person that is watching titans regularly like week to week now you gotta wait almost a year to then see the first episode of season two which actually concludes what just happened yeah i don't like that at all no because it's a bad model that is a bad model yeah and and, yeah like you got yeah how much they hype Trigon up as being like this destroyer of worlds and all this stuff. And then like how, how quickly he gets defeated in season two, episode one is like, uh, Oh, pepper spray. <laughs> My weakness. Yeah. And then by the looks of it, I'm only like one or two episodes into season two, by the looks of it, it looks like Deathstroke is going to be the main villain of season two. Mm. So in terms of power level, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but ultimately the thing with that is like the Titans was a thing back in the day when Robin was Robin, it was Robin wonder girl and Hawk and dove. 
That was the Titans. They had Titans Tower and all that stuff. Okay. Now, Dick Grayson, I think this is cool. Dick Grayson is taking Beast Boy, he's taking Rachel, he's taking Jason Todd, and he's going to Titans Tower and training them to become the new Titans. There's going to be a new Titans, and that kind of sparks Deathstroke. He hears about it because Jason Todd's an idiot. He ran into, like, after they beat Trigon, he ran to a news reporter that was there and was like, Titans are back beeps <laughs> he runs off yeah. uh, and, so. then, and then deathstroke sitting sitting in that uh in that insane asylum that he's been in for years all of a sudden for the very first time in, in how, however long moves his eye <laughs> towards, the, towards the screen and smiles this is exactly what it was i mean it wasn't a insane asylum but that was basically what it was, it was to where like the joker from the dark knight returns yeah it brought him back. It's like, oh, I'm back. The Titans are back. I'm ready to kick the Titans again. Kick their butt again. I'm ready. No, no, no. He's just ready to kick them. I'm, kick yeah, I'm just going to repeatedly kick Jason Todd. Yeah, just going to repeatedly kick Jason Todd in the shins. Just, ow. <laughs> Stop it. I'm serious. Knock it off. Dude, this is not cool. And the thing you is... Get Batman? <laughs> the thing is, like... Before I started watching Titans, I had the preconceived notion of like, ah, it's just going to be that edgy crap I saw in the trailer. There's a tiny bit of that. It's really not that once you watch the first three episodes. But it started playing the intro music, which is like, later on, I actually really love it. But when I first heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just edgy bull crap. Because it's like, dun, 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 dun. It's, it's like, it's, it's like a build up. And at first yeah. I was like, ah, oh, they're just going with that edgy thing. But once you watch the first couple episodes and you realize they're not doing that, you get into the intro and the intro is pretty good hype for the episode. Yeah. So there's a lot I don't like about the Titans, but at the end of the day, I think I might keep watching it. They do some interesting stuff. Like I'm, I'm really interested in the Dick Grayson training the Titans and stuff. So I recommend it for Brandon. I, I can't recommend Titans for anyone else. Uh, but Doom Patrol, I highly recommend Doom Patrol. The show, as well as the Gerard Way comic, if you've watched the show or have read another Doom Patrol comic. So I know it took forever to get to that, but that's all my recommendations. Alrighty, um, I've only got one recommendation this week. Unless you want to follow up on that Limmy's show one, everybody that I said earlier in the episode, then that's two technically. Yeah. Um, but I've only got one. I only did one interesting thing this week, or rather, consumed one interesting piece of media, I should say. Um, I finally watched. I didn't get the chance to see it when it was in theaters because it wasn't anywhere near me at the time. Um, an anime movie called Josie, the Tiger, and the Fish. Ah. Uh, and it is really good. It is like, it's a romantic drama about a boy. This is the story of a boy. Okay, um... <laughs> Uh, it's about a, it's about a guy named Suneo. Uh, he's 22 years old, and I think he's studying to become a marine biologist. Um, he works a part time job, goes to school, all that, 
and um, he's he's trying to save up money to study abroad in Mexico. He's learning Spanish and everything. Um, I really wonder what Spanish sounds like with a Japanese accent now. <laughs> anyway, um, and one day when he's walking home, all of a sudden, like down a, down a hill or a slope, uh, the street is on a hill. Um, yeah. Down a hill comes out of control rolling this girl in a wheelchair um, and she she hits a bump and ends up flying into his arms um, and then her grandmother comes running down and she's like oh, you know thanks for catching her and uh, uh, basically the grandma offers him a meal uh, as thanks for saving the girl the girl doesn't like him the girl is introduced as Kumiko but she insists on being called Josie um and uh, and you don't learn why until later in the movie. And uh, basically what happens is the old lady, uh, you know, after Suneo tells her that, you know, he's saving money to study abroad, um, uh, she basically offers him another part-time job. She's like, she, she wants him to work as Josie's caretaker. Um, the only condition is that he's not allowed to take her anywhere. They have to stay in the house. Mm. Um, which is a rule that gets broken not too far into the movie. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> what the heck's even going to happen? Yeah. But uh but yeah, like like for like the first month he he you know just keeps her in the house, does whatever she tells him to do because that's like his job. The job as described to him is follow all of her orders. And so Good. because she doesn't like him, she would tell him things like count all of the rows in the mats on the floor. And he'd be like, okay. So he count, he would count all the rows and like the grandma would come home and he like, he would be like counting the rows up into the thousands, right? He's like a thousand one, a thousand two, a thousand three, you know, like he's trying to count every single one because that's what this girl told him to do. And she comes home and she's like, I can't believe I lost 8,000 yen on blah, blah, blah. It's such a thing. And so he's like, Counting like 8,001, 8,002, 8,000. And then he catches himself. He's like, oh, no. And so Josie's like, you have to start over from one. Does at any point the grandma say, I didn't mean literally do anything she says? No, never. Okay, this boy is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, eventually there is a point where like, you know, Josie she she manages to escape the house on her own and tries to like she gets herself into her wheelchair and goes out on her own because when she's home she's not in her wheelchair she spends most of the time uh just kind of crawling around with her hands yeah because in japan they don't believe in furniture so everything's pretty low to the <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything's pretty low to the ground as it is um so and i'm pretty sure like to her, the wheelchair is like a pair of shoes, right? You don't wear shoes inside in Japan. <laughs> so Park your wheelchair at the door. She does. She parks her wheelchair at the door and crawls across really her like hands. Wow. Um, and so, like, but she got up in her wheelchair and managed to leave the house on her own. So Tsunio goes out looking for her and catches her right as she's about to try and cross like a railroad crossing as the bars are coming down. And stops her from getting hit by a trolley. And uh, she tells him, like, take me to the ocean. He's like, he doesn't want to follow this order at first because he was planning to quit that day as it is. 
because he just yeah. got fed up with it. And then, and then she's like, you know, she she tells him like, take me to the ocean. And he's like, fine. This is the last thing I'm doing for you. And I'll that's throw like, you in the ocean. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's like, oh, I'll throw you in the ocean. Well, he didn't have to throw her. You know what? Watch the movie yourself. Because uh, <laughs> it's because that's like the first big emotional moment in the movie. But like, I like. Yeah, like I, I recommend it. It's a really good movie. I like both of the main characters. Um, they're very interesting. This is the rare occurrence of a well-done tsundere. Are you familiar with the tsundere trope in Japanese storytelling? Uh, is that the thing where like they don't like them, but then they like them? Yes. Now, a lot of tsundere in like modern uh, anime forget to do the second part of that. Yeah. They're like, oh, she doesn't like him indefinitely. And that's just how things are going to be. Yeah. It's like, that's not a compelling foundation for a relationship. Because modern day people are into weird kinks like that. Yeah. Like, well, I like also, to be... they're, they're like, people like Asuka from, from Evangelion, and I think she was a Sundere. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we'll, do, we'll just do that. Um, except we'll never have the turn because we have no idea how long this is going to go for and we need to keep people on the hook for as long as possible but this is a movie this is a movie adaptation of a short story Um, so that like they had to actually you know, have like a whole story ready um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah like, like the turn does come she does warm up to him and uh uh, like and it's again, it's a it's a very well done version of that because like she doesn't hold her coldness towards him for very long in the movie. It's like mostly a first act thing. Um, however, you do see throughout the movie he's not the only one she treats that way. Like she generally feels this way about everybody. Yeah, yeah. So it's and like she has a hard time communicating with and dealing with people. You can tell that her grandmother due to her like perceiving her as this frail little thing um that needs to be protected you can tell her grandmother has just kind of kept her at home for as much as possible yeah and it's only through her relationship with suneo that she's been able to go out into the world and see that it's not that scary yeah because um uh at at first you can see a lot of like from an american perspective some of this can be seen like like there might be a little bit of ableism in here like per, because some of her uh like the fact that she is bound to a wheelchair is a source of drama in the movie um but at the same time though you got to think about it from like the cultural perspective of where it comes from it comes from Japan where um being the same as everyone else is so highly valued that even something out of your control like being in a wheelchair just renders you a complete social outcast yeah standing out in any way like will affect you in some way a lot more in japan than it will here yeah and that already affects people a lot here too yeah yeah obviously that's going to be a defining feature of your life and while here in america we at least put on the the public face of trying to mitigate that as much as possible yeah um over in japan i like obviously they have you know disability programs and things like that in japan um, because every yeah. civilized country should have that in place. Over here in America, you have people in their own head as they're meeting someone in a wheelchair. They're they're saying hi, nice to meet you, but in their head they're like, 
don't ask him how fast he can go. Don't ask him how fast he can go. <laughs> yeah. What's your top speed? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to make that joke. I was about to – okay, well, I may as well now. I was about to say how many miles to the gallon do you get, but <laughs> – that's I I don't know whether or not that one's really insensitive, so I might have to cut that one out. Um, but anyway, but yeah, like Josie the Tiger and the Fish is, and the title makes sense once you watch the movie. I'm not going to explain the title because it's a part of the movie. I gotcha. Um, it's one of those things where it's like you're not going to know what the heck the title is even supposed to mean until you watch the movie all the way through. Yeah, before I looked up the title and actually saw it like spelt out and had the punctuations and stuff. I thought it was some sort, before you explained it, <clears throat> I thought it was like some sort of indie uh, reinterpretation of Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> Josie the tiger and a fish is involved somehow. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, um, yeah, the, the tiger and the fish both make sense um, as like, they're, they're a metaphor for something. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to spoil what that metaphor is. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, again, that's like the plot of the movie right there. Like, the entire movie's plot is spelled out in the title. You just have to find it by watching the movie. Yeah. But, yeah, that's my only recommendation for the week. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I guess that is Storebrand Comics for the week, isn't it? I believe so. All right. Well, then, I have been Tio. And I've been Brandon. And now we are not. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care.